Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory, Lord. You may be seated. Thank you for that was a, a wonderful, warm introduction, kind words. And um, uh, most of this wouldn't have been possible, not only for God, uh, but for a supporting, loving wife for almost 25 years, Pastor Abby and Dino, would you stand up? You know, we don't have any physical children, uh, so she has to put up with me. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Am I enough for her? Am I handful? Also, um, on this morning, I brought two of the members of our church uh, who are in the discipleship uh, process, and it was accomplishing in a few weeks the first year of Bible school. Uh, please stand up and uh, we'll receive uh, Anthony and Lucy. Dear friends, dear friends, I'm really grateful. This is the third time I come to speak. I, I spoke when you were in some gym somewhere. Help me, Jesus. And look where you are now. And tell your neighbor, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. This, this is a young church, 11 years. Amen. And I know that God is bringing the eagles together in this nest in order to prepare this church to continue to do great things on new levels. How many, how many believe it? Therefore, let's honor the set man of this house and his wife, Pastor Edgar Alvarez and Therese Alvarez. We honor you and we bless you for the work that you are doing here in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The other day, the other day, um, in, in my uh, my Bluetooth in my car, uh, this old song called "Awesome Wonder" came up. This, I forget who sings it, um, and, and 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 as that song came, it reminded me of your pastors when they were youth ministers. They used to get down. They had, they had the youth doing pantomimes and things. And they were, so we, we love them very much. They're very dear to Abby and I and to the whole, we call it the Elohim family uh, from New York. Amen. Amen. Well, would you stand on your feet in honor of the word of God? Is anybody here interested in receiving from God's word today? We're going to come out of the book of Luke, chapter 18, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 18. And I'm really grateful to Pastor and for the elders uh, who have extended this invitation uh, for me to be back. I was here last year, and I'm, I'm honored, and it's a pleasure for me to be here. Luke, chapter 18, we're going to read the first of eight verses. I'm reading out of the New King James Version and I'm, I'm already feeling better because I have a lot more time. Look at that. Hallelujah. God bless the 11 o'clock service. <laughs> and the word of the Lord says, then he, in parentheses Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God or regard men. And now there was a widow in that city. Say there's a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. <laughs> But after 
afterwards, say afterwards. He said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Isn't it like God to make the devil do stuff that he don't even want to do? That's not in my nose. I had to throw it real quick. Even though I, I really don't want to do this, uh, uh, lest she continues to trouble me, uh, I will avenge her. Lest her continual coming, say with me, continual coming, she wearies me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night though he bears long with them I tell you he will avenge them speedily say with me speedily nevertheless when the son of man comes will he really find faith on earth my assignment for you today is to talk to you on the subject of the process of reparation the process of reparation. Father, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy that endures forever. We thank you for every soul that's in this place that you have drawn to be here to receive from the seed of your word that is able to do so much more than we even realize. I pray that your spirit would bring to bear the things in this text that we need to hear today uh, that we may leave this place not only inspired and not only encouraged but we leave challenged to come into to alignment with your written holy word in Jesus name we pray amen amen you may be seated the process of reparation the process of Reparation. Reparation because the theme of this revival uh, is repairing the altar. How many have had a good time so far in the revival? <laughs> and that theme is given to, to God, uh, uh, given to, given to uh, Pastor Alvarez uh, through God, through his, the power of his Holy Spirit, based on the text of 1 Kings chapter 18 and, and when they communicated with me, they said you do not have to, to preach this text uh, um, But just uh, try to stay right around that theme. How do we say amen? And I'm, I'm wondering if someone has already preached through this text, but in case they didn't I'm not gonna preach that they haven't but, 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 but just in case just to help you out the context of this text I'm not in my text, but the first king text. I got time today uh, is that Israel was going through the cycle of sin degradation. They were slowly but surely entering in to idolatry and they were uh, 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 idolizing uh, uh, different gods and especially Baal and they had a leader Ahab with Jezebel who was propitiating adultery. Are you with me? Really quick, this is not, I'm not even coming to talk about this. Thank you for your enthusiasm. But it's the, it's the theme, it's the theme. And, 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 so, and so there was a man of God who said, I'm not going to let my people continue in a state of adultery and to continue to decline. I'm going to say something. 
I'm going to do something. I'm a prophet of God, and I'm going to move in the power of God. And so he, he called the meeting, and, and he said, oh, you prophets of Baal, if, 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 if Baal is so powerful, uh, you cry out to him, and, 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 and if your God is real, uh, uh, ask uh, him to, to cause fire to fall from heaven. You know the story. And they did all kinds of things, and the fire didn't fall. And then the prophet Elijah did this. He repaired the altar. He placed a sacrifice on the altar. He poured water on the altar, and then he prayed for fire. Repaired the altar, placed a sacrifice on the altar, poured water, abundance of water on the altar, and he prayed for fire, which you can extract these four principles. He uh, repairing the altar, altar is, is symbolic of, of, of repentance. Repairing that which should already be in function. Repentance, say with me, repentance. Uh, he placed an effort, uh, a sacrifice on it, which is, is symbolic or uh, is typology for obedience. So we got repentance, and then we got obedience, right? And then number three, I can't believe nobody preached this. Thank you again for your, your enthusiasm. I mean, your, your charisma is making me feel goosebumps. <laughs> and, and, and then, and then, he poured water on it, right? It talks about, which, which is symbolic of, of, of faith and, and believing God for the supernatural. I mean, if their God couldn't respond uh, with fire when it's a drought and it's hot out, watch my God do something crazy. <laughs> then he prayed. And fire came. And so from this whole thing, we must understand that prayer is essential in the altar reparation business. As a matter of fact, I would dare to say that some things have not come to pass in your life yet because you have yet to take serious uh, the power of prayer. I, I, I introduce it, I suggest it to you that God wants to do much more than you can ask or think, but it begins with a heart who understands prayer is powerful. Thus, I come to my text. Can I get to my text? This parable of the widow and the unjust judge is taught by Jesus in a very important context. Something happened before he taught this. What happened before was these 10 lepers cried out to Jesus and said, have mercy on us. Now you have to understand the condition of someone with leprosy in the first century. Leprosy was contagious and the religious establishment, the religious institution, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes uh, interpreted sacred texts to mean that if you have a physical, physiological ailment, it is always the result of a spiritual ailment. Eh. Incorrect? That's my buzzer sound. Thank you for you. It's called Deuteronomic theology. It's superficial theology. If this is happening, it's because of this. And you know there's people like that. If things are so messed up in your life, you must be You don't need friends like that. You need friends that's going to get with you when you are going through something difficult and say, we're going to get through this together. I am with you. Come hell and howl. Ah, I don't need you to tell me what you think you heard from the Lord at 
Matthew ate pizza all night long. I need you to walk with me. I feel like preaching at the 11 o'clock hour. And so they ostracized them and so they marginalized them and they pushed them outside the city. And a leper in the first century when he walked around and people were, were, were present, he had to either ring a bell or cry out, leper, leper. You understand the condition of these 10 men? This is in the context of what I came to talk to you about today. Their life was miserable. Their life had very little recourse. Their lives were pretty much over. You talking about walking dead. I know y'all wholly don't watch that. I, know, I watch every single episode. <laughs> My wife don't watch it with me no more. She don't like all that gore. <sighs> oh, you think preachers after services, they go watch holy stuff? I need some, I need some action. too real uh-huh and Jesus said to them go show yourself to the priest has have you ever asked God for something and he answered you in a way that confused you or am I alone I didn't ask for an appointment to go see the circle of counsel of the pharmaceutical kind. <laughs> See, but Jesus uh, uh, understood the importance of obedience to the law. As a matter of fact, he came not to uh, offend or break the law. He came to fulfill the law. And the Torah said that you have to present yourself to the priest if you think that God did a miracle. If you are crazy enough with leper which had no cure, show yourself. And the Bible says that when they were on the way, because sometimes even if you don't understand what God is telling you, if you're obedient and walk in the word that God has shared to you, I'm telling you in the process things will start getting repaired. I'm talking about a process of reparation. I know that the devil wants to keep you down, but tell your neighbor, I'm in a process of reparation. Uh, uh, come on. I'm in a process. I'm in a process. I'm in a process. And God will get the glory. I tell my church all the time, don't you be disrespected or looking down on some of these ghetto kids we got in the church because tomorrow that ghetto kid might be your pastor because I was one of those ghetto kids. But God, but God, but God, but God. Can God do it? Can God do it? Ah, in the process. See, don't, don't, don't get dismayed about the process. It's taking too long, Pastor. At least it's moving. At least it's moving forward. Now, the interesting thing, I'm still in my context. Ooh, I'm good. I'm good. I love this church. <laughs> uh, only one came back. Only one came back. This is, believe it or not, this is important to what I, uh, the main text. Only one came back. Jesus said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't I heal 10 of y'all? Now, if you want to know if God, if Jesus is God or not, just understand that he knew 
that they were healed, even though they were there and he was here. <laughs> did, did, didn't I hear all of them? And I wonder, how come only one of you came back? See, some of y'all think that God doesn't look at that stuff. God looks at all that stuff. If he'll look at a poor lady putting her last penny in uh, you, let me, I'm telling you, whatever you can do, do it. It doesn't matter what level of life you are in. In the small things, you're faithful. I'm going to give you greater things. Don't think that the little thing is insignificant. I came to tell you, I used to beg for change to get on the bus to go to church. I had to beg. Oh, but ask me how I'm doing now. Ask me. me, ask me what God can do. Tell you God can do it. So Jesus told him, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Well, wait a minute. I'm already healed. Yeah, you're healed, but now you're whole. So they were healed and they still got holes. But you're healed, and now you're whole. Which may have brought. So this happened, and the disciples were right next to him when all of this is going on. When they asked Jesus to do the impossible, they asked. I don't even know if that's right. Is that proper? I'm going to ask. I would ask at the, uh, getting a Tyler, a Tyler Madea spirit up in me. <laughs> Tyler Perry, ask at the, uh, help me Jesus. This is, this is, this is the power of prayer. And, and Right after that, the Pharisees asked Jesus really quickly, so I can get to my text. Uh, the Pharisees asked Jesus right before Luke 18, this is Luke 17, asked Jesus to, to tell them when he thought the kingdom of God would come. The Jews were waiting on the messianic kingdom where they would be no longer oppressed by the Roman Stronghold. Rome was the empire. It was a Greco-Roman world. There was paganism. You think it's bad now? Study the Greco-Roman world. It ain't that bad here yet. Tell your neighbor, thank you, Jesus. When's the kingdom going to come in? And he said, well... The kingdom isn't going to come from the outside like y'all thinking. He's saying, the kingdom is within you. And then he turned to his disciples and he said this. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when the Son of Man returns. And in the same way that destruction came speedily as soon as Lot left Sodom in the same way it will be when the son of man returns. So are you with me? So the context of what Jesus is about to teach is he just healed 10 lepers who asked him power prayer and, and he responded to the Pharisees asking about the kingdom. With this fresh in their mind he presented a parable. That's what it means in Greek. To throw alongside. Parable. Throw alongside. So para, right? It's from the Greek. So you throw like paraclete. He who comes alongside of you. That's a technical Greek word for what the Holy Spirit is as the counselor. The paraclete. So the, the parable is, is stories of illustrations that highlight Jesus' teachings. Tell your name, I'm learning something today. 
What did he want to highlight? He wanted to highlight what just took place. Power of prayer. The issues of the coming of Christ. And this is what he says. He spoke a parable to them focusing on this reason that men should pray or humans that word is, is humans not just men and Lord knows we thank God for the prayer warriors that are women hell you better give glory to God so he gave this parable. Why is this important? Because they just, the disciples had finished experiencing the power of prayer. And now he teaches them a parable motivating them and telling them why humans should pray always and faint not. He's given us a key. The key issue in the reparation process of the altar in which the blessing of God is going to flow is my condition of prayer. I know sometimes we want to hear about that. We want to hear about the blessing. We want to hear about the fire falling. But the fire is going to fall on your altar. Ah, help me God. The blessing is coming to your altar. You with me? He's saying the secret here is prayer. Some of might say, you got to be kidding me. Yes. Prayer is the secret that God told me to speak to you about today. It might not be it might not be a deep revelation and that might not be something that may blow your mind away but I'm telling you it's pragmatic it's essential it's fundamental to what God wants to do in your life and in my life tell your neighbor I'm repairing the altar of prayer I'm in the process of many blessings and while I'm waiting I'm about repairing I'm about So what does he teach us about prayer? The first thing he teaches us is the need for consistency in prayer. Consistency. Man. The need to be committed to prayer. Consistency is synonymous with frequency. Where is this found in the text? The Bible says this widow came to this judge. And the text says very clearly, not on one occasion. The text says that in the beginning, the judge would tell her no. But she was hard-headed. Don't get angry. Don't get angry. Don't get mad. And sometimes you got to be a little stubborn when the devil and the world tells you no. If God tells you yes, I'm going to keep coming right before you until what you say is consistent to what he... And the Bible says that at first he said no. But since she kept coming, since she kept asking, this is powerful. Because what it is teaching us, I'm telling you, if the high place is going to continue to go, which I know we are, to the next level, uh, uh, we, we, we need more people to come on board with the prayer service. Help me, somebody. We need more people to take prayer seriously. When you're praying, you ain't wasting your time. When you're praying, you're sowing. When you're praying, you're worshiping. When you're praying, you're believing. When you're praying, you're doing spiritual warfare. When you're praying, you're doing a work. A work. Tell your neighbor, get to work. Tell her. If she's a feeling, say, girl, you better get to work. Get to work. My brother, get to work. Jesus is saying, he's telling them, you want to see the same results that you just seen? 
that I rebuked, that, that I healed, it's going to come if you're consistent. So the process of consistency is essential. Well, pastor, I'm going to try tithing for a month. Thank God. I better. Thank God speaking because y'all quiet. Help me, Jesus. I'm going to pray. I'm going to try. I'm going to forgive my wife for a while. Tell your neighbor, it won't work. It won't work. It don't work. See, God is talking about a lifestyle. A life. Could, could you get excited? Could you imagine yourself? Maybe you can't right now. But can you begin to see yourself excited about prayer? Excited about going before the throne of grace? Excited about making your requests made known to God? Can you find yourself excited about spending, spending time with your Savior? But it needs to be consistent. But look what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. The teaching here are not levels of asking. The teaching here is consistency in prayer. I don't care if you ask, I don't care if you knock, I don't care if you ask, you knock, or you seek, but be consistent. Be consistent. You know, uh, when my mother died, I, I gave the testimony last time I was here when I was five years old. And eventually we went to live with my grandmother in New York, Queens, New York. And let me tell you, the thing that could never be erased in my mind about my grandmother. Don't remember her voice. They told me she was a powerful preacher. Don't remember none of that. She used to be able to quote complete psalms from memory. Don't remember none of that. Here's what I remember. Two things. Her and her Holy Ghost friends used to come over every Friday night to pray. <laughs> me and my brother used to be like, you know, don't tell nobody. We used to be in the stand like, look, look at these crazy women right there. Look at these crazy. Grandma crazy. But we said it quiet because we didn't want to mess with grandma. Second thing I remember when I used to get up in the morning for school because we lived with her. Every time I had to go to the bathroom, I had to pass by my grandmother's bedroom. She always left the door open. And she was always in the same corner praying. You know what that is? Every morning you get up and you, every, every morning, every, I'm, I'm, with no breaks, every, I'm talking about consistency. Jesus said, you and I, if we desire to really see and know Everything that God wants to give unto us, his church, we need to be about repairing the altar of consistency. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Number two, this parable teaches about the discipline of prayer. After he talks about this particular parable, this particular scene with the widow and the judge. I'll get to that at the end. Then he says these words. Pay attention to this. He says, listen to what the judge said. Pay attention to what the judge did. He's saying, if an unjust God who doesn't fear God and doesn't care about public opinion. That's what it means. He didn't fear mankind. 
He didn't, care, he didn't care about, which means he was corrupt and he didn't care if you knew about it. Reminds me about somebody right now, but we ain't going to talk about that. <laughs> he who has ears, let him hear. He corrupt and don't care if nobody knows or doesn't care about and, and, and that's what it meant. That's what this, and, then, and, so, and so Jesus says, now, if he did that, can you imagine what I'm going to do? Do you, do you get, that's called, that's called, Theologia uh, Cristiana, uh, sometimes I got to translate. It's, 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 no, it's philosophical theology. It's look at this and compare it to this. It's doing analytics. It's if he is that way. It's the same thing when Jesus said, if you being bad parents give your children bread when they ask, what do you think I'm going to do? Ain't no badness about me. There's no sin attached with me. I am pure and holy. If the unjust judge will do that, you better look out and watch what I'm going to do. But what did he say? If he does that, listen to his words. He says, shall God not avenge his own elect that cry out to him day and night. Tell your neighbor he's talking about discipline. Tell him he's talking about discipline. Consistency is about frequency. Discipline regards structure. See? See, structure deals with foundations. See, structures are built to support, to sustain. See, what God wants from you and me is that we understand that we must not ever stop praying and never faint in our hearts about prayer. And if we do that, we're going to be consistent and we're going to be disciplined. We'll establish a structure. We'll establish a specific day or night and time and place in which we will not let anybody interfere with that. Do you have that, church? Do you have that? Do you have that in your life? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 6, it's talking about structure and discipline. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. He's talking about the Pharisees. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners. And I love the public. Could you pray Deacon Jojo? Deacon Jojo. Could you pray on the corner? So everybody, I, I'll do that. My name is Joe. That's why I call my Deacon Jojo. I hope there's no Deacon Jojo in here. If not, I owe you a lunch. They were all about the structure, the discipline, of public affirmation. They were all about, well, I want people to know that I'm spiritual. So you know people like that. They always talk about, girl, last night God gave me a vision. <laughs> I'm sorry, I still got that little craziness. I still got that craziness that come out now and again. Uh, right? You know people like that. Huh? Come talk about, Pastor, I got a word from the Lord for you. I said, okay. Now, get ready because I'm going to have somebody write this down. <laughs> people, have, you ever, have you ever had an experience? Don't raise your hand. They might be next to you. <laughs> when someone trying to share with you what they're talking about God said and they're trying to be all scary about it, right? Have you ever had that? No, oh, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
these people, they just want attention, affirmation, public affection. Here's what Jesus said. They already got their reward. You kidding me? You think I want God's reward to be that you like me? If you like me, that's nice. I try to be a good guy. But I'm trying to get God's approval on my life. See, you ain't going to be with me when the devil comes all after me. You ain't going to be with me. Your affirmation ain't going to help me. God, I wish I had a way. I'm trying to please God. I'm trying. Come on, give him glory. Give him glory. Give him glory. Give him glory. You know, there's people that can't sleep if they think sister so-and-so mad at them. I'm training up my youth pastor right now. He's a great preacher, great man of God. Got a lot of young people coming. But sometimes he worries too much about what people are saying. He goes, what do you think, pastor? I'll be snoring at night, boy. <laughs> Ask the pastora. It's amazing when I was young and dumb, or I can say younger and dumber, because you know what they say about stupidity. When you're 20, you say, I wish I could talk to my 15-year-old self and say, yo, you stupid. <laughs> I know that's not doctoral, but, but then when you're 40, you feel like talking to your 20-year-old self and say, yo, you a knucklehead. <laughs> but when you, they tell me, because I'm not there yet, but they tell me when you're 60, you're going to talk to your 50 and 40 year old self and say, come on, man, get it straight. You know what that means? That means you're always crazy. <laughs> I got to have some fun in God's house. You know, I, when I was young and younger and dumber, I mean, I used to bother my parents and, 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 and I used to, I'm sorry, to, I used to steal and cheat to try to just to get, try to get, you know, a suede sneakers, a Adidas shell top. I'm showing my age. Trying to get all the, back then the fly gear. I don't know what they call it now, but it was the fly gear. Now, and I have no money. I cheat and lie and steal to do it. Now, I got money buying my gear from Models or whatever, so J.C. Penn. What you think? I ain't gotta have no air Jordans. I got some comfortable sneakers gonna last me about seven years. How many? I only pay twenty nine, ninety nine. I hear the Lord say, you better stop worrying about what people think about you, and you better start worrying about what God is saying about you. The voice of God is speaking over your life, blessing, prosperity, health. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, he's a good, good God. Don't you be selling out your place in the kingdom for a bowl of beans, for temporary pleasure. Let me leave that alone. I only got 10 Pentecostal minutes left. Y'all getting this? But Jesus said, don't be like them. Ooh, got the battery acting up. Don't pray like them. You see, because their prayers aren't consistent unless they're invited to do it in public. But he said, but you, when you pray, he's talking to his disciples. Are you a follower here? Are you a follower of Christ? He says, he says, but you, my disciples, when you pray, go into your room. 
Tell your neighbor, discipline. And when you have shut your door, see, that's discipline. That's structure. I have a room I need to go to, and I, I, need a, I have a door that I need to shut because I've come to talk. Do you, I said in the morning service, can you believe I, we call prayer services, and, and, you know, the young people got their cell phones on? I'm like, what you doing? And somebody might call me. Yeah, Jesus might call you. Turn it off. <laughs> Pastor, I might miss something important on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. You ain't gonna miss nothing, I'm telling you. But you might miss something real important if you don't turn that off, shut that door, and Tell your neighbor, better shut that door. Tell them, you better shut that door. Shut that door. Enter into the place of disciplined prayer. And then he says something that I love. He talks about the recompense of prayer. Holy Spirit spoke to me when I was preparing this. And he said, son... You know why some people stop praying? Some people stop praying because they stop believing that I was a rewarder. See, God is a rewarder not because he answers you when you want in the way you want. He's a rewarder because he answers you when he wants and it's always better than you want. Jesus says concerning this widow after sharing about the consistency of prayer and the discipline of prayer Jesus says concerning the recompense he says I tell you that God will avenge them speedily. And what that means is God's going to respond. And, and today you may think he's taking a long time, but when he does it, it's almost as if the years will multiply. I had somebody say, but pastor, you know, I'm 49. I got saved later. I said, you got saved right when God needed you to get saved. Yeah, but pastor, I got so much I want. You're going to do everything that God needs you to do. Yeah, but I'm getting older, but God's going to multiply your strength. What, what I had to wait 10 years to get an open door, he's going to open it maybe in 10 days. You don't know what God's going to do. God never shows up late. Always always on time and he coming never with his arms empty that's why I don't worship him with my hands empty because he comes to me with his hands full and since his hands are full I have to have something in my without faith said the author of Hebrews it's impossible to please God because he who comes to God, that's prayer, must, must, I looked it up in Greek, must. It means must. <laughs> must, watch this, believe that he, one, is, which means you got to believe that he exists. I mean, if you have a religious, superficial understanding of God and his existence, then you will have a religious, superficial prayer life. But if you believe God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. If you believe God knows all things, is all things, never was there a time in history where God wasn't, because God always was. If you understand who God is, and when that means you'll go into his presence, understanding what a privilege you've given me, God, that you've asked me 
you? Are you kidding me? I'm coming to you. Must believe that he is. But that is, it doesn't stop there. It talks about his nature. La naturaleza de su bondad. The nature of his bountifulness. See, somebody taught you that God was angry at you. That's the problem. You still believe it. They see upset and angry about what you did. I got news for you. I did some things too. There ain't nobody here that hasn't done some things. But thank God he is merciful and he is forgiving and he is a rewarder. I'm trying to get my gifts from God, but I'm not, I'm not seeking God just to get gifts. Like she said, don't get it. I'm seeking God, and I'm not just seeking him because to get something from him. I'm seeking him because it's wonderful to be with him. And I know... That whatever he wants to do, he's going to do. He's going to do. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Come on, do you believe that? And we end with this. The last principle is an implicit principle, which means it's not explicit. Which means explicit talks about clarity. It's the primary teaching, right? So in hermeneutical principles, you have to interpret the text according to what the text is saying and not what you wish the text was saying. There's a lot of dream texters, but not here, out there. In, in the university, it's called the Procustian fallacy. Can I teach you something real quick? The Procustian fallacy. What's that? Well, there was this guy in Greek mythology called Procustus. And Procustus used to invite people. He had a Motel 6 in his house. A hotel, a motel. And he used to invite people in. Now, this is a little graphic. And when they fell asleep, he would tie their hands and legs. And if their feet would overhang the bed, he'd cut them off. And if the hands would overhang, he'd cut them off because he had this fixation that everything would fit very nicely. He was crazy. <laughs> but there's some crazy Christians out there. Talking about the text is saying what the text ain't saying. Don't you dare said God said and you haven't read and studied the text. If God said it, it better be in the text. You better be saying what the... Don't get me started. We're looking for what the text explicitly says. The Bible says that Jesus gave this parable to teach them that they ought to pray always and faint not. That's the lesson. You trying to find nothing else in there? That's the explicit lesson of the text. Now, there are implicit meanings in the text that if you dig and confirm it throughout Scripture, you can find it there also. How many say amen? And here, as I end this lesson today, there's a lesson about the justice of God. Listen to me. The reason why God respond, responds in this way and the reason why Jesus says that the Father will respond or avenge speedily is because of the principle of justice. He says if, again, I repeat myself, if this judge is not just, and he could be persuaded with consistency to do what he's supposed to do anyway. And he's not just. Well, imagine what I will do for you because I am a just God. In other words, what he did for me, he'll do for you. 
Don't you put me too much on a pedestal thinking I'm some type of, no, 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 no. I am of like flesh and blood just like you. And if you believe God like I believe God, if you do what I did, you'll get the same and maybe even better result. He's a just God. Let me tell you four things in one minute that that means. Amen? As you do a little thing there. You with me? You, you enjoying this word? He's saying, Look, I'm, I'm just. I'm, I mean, don't, don't treat me like. I'm. What we understand here is some people don't pray. There's no consistency and discipline in prayer. Because they don't really believe God is just. You know what the illustration for justice is here scripturally? It's a scale. You heard the phrase, tip the scales of justice? That means if this arm has more weight, right? I'm a human scale. The scale will do this. So there's injustice on this side. This side is hanging to dry. This side is happy. So what God says is, humans are like that, but I'm the God of justice. And if there's consistency and discipline, if you believe, I'm the one who will. I'm going to balance it out. Tell your neighbor he's going to balance it out. That's why Paul said all things work together for good. Four things, as they play something soft, four things. Let me let you go with these four principles of justice. You understand. Number one, the Bible says that God is just, which means in his nature, in his attributes, he is just and can never be unjust. Never. He can never be unjust. Just like God is holy, just like he's immutable, he never changes. He's omnipotent, he has all power. He's omniscient, there's nothing that he doesn't know. Can you understand the complexity of that? He is also just. So number one, God is just. Number two, God is not a respecter of persons. I have scripture for all this, but I am just want to close it up here. He's, it's not... He wants you to get out of your mind. Oh, well, he, he did it for him because he's a nice guy. If you knew me, you knew there wasn't nice about this guy. No, no, he is not a respecter of persons. He gives favor to the, even the unjust. It rains, the Bible says, on the just and the unjust. It's called common grace. God does things for people even when they don't deserve. Number three. God's justice is not like human justice. Listen to this. When Job went through his suffering after his friend spoke he kept his peace he said nothing after a while he was good then after a while he began to accuse God I'm, I'm righteous I'm, I'm just I, 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 how is it that you you took all my money and you took my children and you took my health or or would that would be or you allowed the circumstances in life or you allowed the devil to do these things you ain't do it yourself. You let somebody else do it. That's almost. Are you with me? Now, this is what God says. This is powerful. This is what God says. He says, Job 38.1 says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. That can preach right there. Because, see, Job was used to God uh, when he was prosperous to him. Job was used to God when everything was flowing milk and honey. See, see, but Job needed to understand that God controls the wind also. He came to him in a whirlwind and he said this. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? 
Now prepare yourself, Job. I will question you and you answer me. You're questioning me about if I'm good, why do I allow this? If, if this is in the Bible, why, do, why does this have to happen to me? And you're questioning me with all these questions. But God says, but your questions are without knowledge. You know what that means? He said, Job, you don't have all sufficient information. You don't have enough information to question me about what I do. See, because justice is based on law. Law is based on knowledge. So, so a sense of justice comes when we think the law should support us in what the law establishes. But what if there's things about God that you don't know? Or do you know everything about God? Are you with me? You see how this ministered? I've had to minister to people in dark places who lost loved ones in wicked and by, by what wicked means and there's not words that can express all you do is try to emphasize and be with them and, and I, told, I told the pastors I supervised don't talk too much just shut up and be with them and whenever they're ready usually it's months later I share with them this principle of justice you know we don't have all the information honey we'll never have all the information we, we are ones without all the knowledge but we serve one who has all the knowledge so he says since you think you know everything job i have some questions for me if you answer me i'll answer you sounds like jesus huh? oh so you're asking me this so so if you if, if you answer me this then i'll answer you that sound like jesus doesn't it he says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job, Job, what was the measuring rod that I used to tell the waves only up to here? He said, he said if you tell me some simplistic cosmic equations, they're simplistic to me, but not to you because you weren't there, were you? Is helping somebody see 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 what God is saying is don't get wrapped up when human justice turns to injustice speak out how many say amen we have a voice like the widow we come before the judge but we understand God is the ultimate judge how many say amen don't let what I'm trying to say is don't let a sense of injustice damage your heart to the point where you stop praying. Listen to me. God is a God of justice. God is not a respecter person. God's justice is not like human justice. And I end saying this. God will complete his justice in the final judgment. You know, sometimes young people come to me, but look, look at all they're doing and look all that. And they seem to be prospering. They seem to be having it all together. And they're sleeping around and passing. Because I, I, I let the youth just come all up into my office. They can come anytime. They can ask me any question. How many say amen? And I'm there. When, when the youth go off to college, I'm chatting with them. I'm interacting. Because I know they're going through and navigating through some things. And sometimes they talk about even people in church, which is hard. Well, I know so-and-so. I'm not going to tell no names, but this. And then I said, okay, now you ain't got to tell me no names. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> but I said, you know, honey, what would you prefer? That one gets disciplined by God for their sins. Notice I said disciplined for their sins here on the earth or they get away with it here on the earth so called and God deals with it they be like no no I want God to deal with me right here pastor let him deal with me amen so listen to me if 
would you stand on your feet today? I know I, I know I said a lot. I'm, I'm just here today, sent by God to tell you this. Listen to me, I'm telling you. My prayer today for you is that you would leave here with a heightened sense of the value of prayer. That's my assignment. That you would not think of prayer in the same way again. Jesus is telling you directly from his word. You ought to pray always and faint not. Jesus is telling you right out of his word. You shouldn't, you shouldn't faint. You should keep praying. And he says it by teaching us reestablish consistency. It should be frequent. Reestablish structure. It should be a discipline. Understand that God is a rewarder. And number four, never let the injustices and the immoralities of this present age to stop you from praying. God bless you. God bless you.